0: It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. And good evening, everybody. It is Sunday night. It's eight o'clock, and it is time for episode 235 of the Ron and Brian podcast. Brian, how the hell are you this evening, my friend?
1: Ron, this has been a week of ups. This has been a week of downs. This has been a week of left and rights, zigzags, Um, emotional roller coaster, if you will. Um, But however, the the, the important part, the part that has kept me sane, the part that has kept me solid throughout this week is that I knew that no matter what happened to me, I was going to come home, I was going to bring it on down Sunday night. To be able to look at your pretty face Aww. on a Sunday night.
0: Well, uh, I uh, always appreciate our time together. Appreciate our fans for tuning in. Uh, it's going to be quite the evening. We've got a lot of a uh, lot of stories to get to. Uh, why don't we uh, Why don't we just get right into it with drink of the week? Drink of the week.
1: La, la la, 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 la. of the week (laughs) who's drink of the week drink of the
0: week all right Brian. what are you drinking this week last week I know it was water because you you had partied a little too hard the week before are you getting back up on the wagon ah there we go
1: Ron last week our our friends over at Chapas. hold on hold on Cervajaria which is Brazilian, but not based upon my pronunciation. Certainly not on that they accent. Set, they said, uh, "You." Um, they sent me over a sampler pack just because you know Ooh. they understand the um, you know the the influencers that we are. This week, I am working on their Oishi beer, which is um, it's a wheat beer with ginger and orange peel. So you're going to say ginger? Well, an ingredient of unmistakable flavor ginger is highly popular in Japanese culture along with orange peels it gives a special soft touch to the wheat beer the name means yummy in Japanese and we made it super tasty causing the drinker to explain an oishi at the end of each set coming in at a 4.7 abv this is going in my stomach
0: oh it looks good it's got a nice uh nice uh oishi. To it. oishi is it that is it that good brian
1: um it's a it's got the bitterness that you would expect with a wheat beer um i think i'm gonna have actually come mm, not tasting the ginger okay um
0: are you tasting the I orange peel
1: at all a little bit there's there's a hint of it a hint of it not a whole lick not a whole lock um ron yes What are you drinking?
0: Uh, So uh, we have made amends with our good friends at Tavor. Uh, They made uh, quite the generous contribution to the Ron and Brian Foundation, an accredited 401c3 uh, tax-exempt organization. Uh, So I did get uh, a small box. I didn't go uh, too crazy. Uh, But one of the items that I thought was interesting is a little something called Excelsior Chai. Uh, coming to us from Crooked Stave Brewing in uh, in Denver uh, in collaboration with Chilling Hard Cider out in Seattle. This is a spiced sour ale aged in oak barrels with apples. Uh, this is clocking in at a solid 8%, Brian. So I may be the sloppy one drinking this this week. So there it is. I mean, obviously, Ooh. it looks like a, like a cider almost, uh, not heavily carbonated. Getting a lot of oak and
1: apple on the nose. So let's take a sip here and see. He takes a deep sip. That looks like a, a, a healthy... Oh, no. That was not. that. That is a sour, my friend. Um, <laughs> take another sip. People, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, you are missing out on a lot. The first thing I was going to say is you're missing out... On um, the dance that Ron does, the dance I do during the Drake of the Week theme song. But you also miss the, the more subtle visual cues, such as Ron's face when he drinks um, what that sour beer that he's got. Ron, describe it.
0: Um, so it's it's very sour., um, you're definitely getting the sourness, you're getting the apple. <coughs> you're getting the oak. I mean, you're it's a very flavorful beer. It's just very, uh, very strong <coughs> on the on the uh, sour side. So if you really like sours and you like very sour uh, beer, I would recommend it., um, it may be uh, a tad bit too sour for a lot of people out there.
1: Now, in terms of your personal commitment, Ron, Will you be finishing that beer?
0: As always, Brian, we have to finish our drink of the week, um, regardless uh, of whether we enjoy it or not. I remember one time uh, I found a drink with uh, Egg White and uh, St. Germain uh, just to punish you, and uh, we both had to finish that one. So I will I will make sure I finish this.
1: I forgot about the drink with the elderflower and the... Um, and the egg white. I was so mad at you. I was so <laughs> mad at you. And wasn't that my punishment for something? I feel that like was it a was punishment for something. Yeah, I feel like I... you were punishing me. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to be punished, Brian. Ironically, no, I don't. I, I mean, I know <laughs> it, it. It seems like everybody has me um, uh, uh, pegged as a uh, as a sub. And I'm not, which I I don't understand. What about my personality lets people think that I want to be whipped uh, uh, and beaten up like a little baby bitch? But that's not me. That's not who I am.
0: All right. Uh, Coming in next, we've got Beef of the Week.
1: Ron and Brian's Beef of the Week. Brian, what's bothering you this week? Ron, listen. It is 2022. We are winding down the calendar year. What is one thing that I had put off this year and um I know you and the misses had really been coming down hard on me over the past couple of months um was I hadn't had my annual physical. That's true. Um so, had my physical this week. Oh, and how'd um, it go. Already Already got the results of my blood work back. And um, I'm going to quote the doctor on this one. So, my beef of the week, people, is my blood, more specifically, <laughs> my cholesterol level. And this is a direct quote from my doctor. <clears throat> um, your LDL, parentheses, bad cholesterol, was very elevated at 162. Normal is 130. Ideal is less than 100. I'm coming in at 162 mm. therefore it's recommended for you to be put on medication to reduce the cholesterol and also work on lifestyle changes. The medication is to be taken once a day blah 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 basically <laughs> Lipitor. Right. But in addition to that I recommend dietary modification now keep in mind this lady doesn't know what I eat. Dietary modification limiting fratty or fried foods. I mean you don't really eat a lot of fatty or fried foods. Apparently I do, Ron. <laughs> Restaurant slash takeout food. That you do a lot. Butter. Mm. You're a fan of the butter. Cheese Cheese. Mm. Love me some cheese. Yeah. Mayonnaise, spelled wrong. She spelled mayonnaise wrong, by the way. Also shrimp. And this one is really where I felt the personal hit. Uh, yeah, shellfish is very high in cholesterol. Oh, um, I didn't know increasing that. the fiber in your diet, targeting 30 to 40 grams per day by eating a high fiber cereal, raspberries, and adding chia seeds.
0: Maybe a nice uh, overnight oats with some chia mixed in. That would be good
1: for you. Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> so now I have to, she wants me to start getting on Lipitor mm. and um, eating healthy. All right. So uh, starting tomorrow, I'll be taking my first Lipitor, and I'm imagining my stool will be quite soggy is
0: that a side effect of the medication i'm not familiar with that
1: i'm just assuming anything that's going to be um instead of it's anything that's not holding in the cholesterol is going to be pushing it out it's got to go somewhere so the only place it can go out the exit door out the poop chute. it's just going to be a slicked up mess coming out all right i have to i, I, I have to just start friend. burning my underwear at the office after you know uh, after i make a messy number two in the public bathroom over there keep uh, us updated
0: Ron? as to how it goes tomorrow Oh, most definitely, Ron. Yes. What's bothering you? So my beef this week, Brian, is with Wayfair. Uh, You're familiar with Wayfair, the furniture company. No, they have not been sending me uh, trafficked children in in the mail. But as you know, Brian, we have been working on getting some new furniture here, uh, slowly but surely. And so we got a dresser, a new dresser for the bedroom. Uh, from Wayfair comes in fully assembled, which is nice. I like furniture I don't need to assemble.
1: Um you have a question already? No, no, no. I'm not I I, I am shocked there's something that Wayfair is sending is fully assembled. It's a, it, that, no they, they do. I mean if
0: you for for some of the more expensive pieces they they come in you know fully assembled. Not more expensive, but more than I, like a hundred dollars. No,
1: no. Ron, yes. you just you just called me a piece of cheap trash. I understand I I, I, I picked up the subtlety of your insult, um, anyway. Okay, so maybe- let me get
0: back to my story. Um, so we unpack it, we unbox it. The top uh, left corner of the uh, the drawer of the dresser is damaged; like it is dented okay. in. And it, honestly, it had to be damaged prior to packaging because there was no issues with the packaging. The box, box wasn't damaged. The packing material on each corner wasn't damaged. So they clearly, someone just saw this and said. Fuck it, we're shipping this out. Sure. So reach back out to Wayfair and be like, hey, this thing's damaged. How do we get you know, a replacement? And they're like, oh, no, we're not going to replace this for you. Here are your two options. We'll, we'll take money off and you keep it as is, or we'll send somebody to your house to repair it. Fine, we'll we'll have you have send somebody out to repair it. So now we're still waiting for them to confirm when they're supposed to be here and they're supposed Mm -hmm. to be coming this upcoming week, but it's not confirmed. So in the meantime, this thing has just been sitting in our in our in our living room and we say, all right, let's move it up to the bedroom, put it where it's going to go. So when the guy gets here, he can just work on it there. Sure. So we start taking the drawers out in order to move it. And like the majority of the inside of this dresser is damaged. Like the crosswood is like broken. Like there's ball bearings all over the place because it's all ball bearings these days, Brian. Sure, um, like one of the tracks is broken yeah. off. So now we've had to reach out to them again and they never get back to you in a timely fashion. Sure. But I feel like we're going to be stuck with this the, this broken ass dresser. Uh, in the meantime, it's my dresser. So my clothes are just sitting out all over the place right now.
1: So it's, it's not a priority for the wife.
0: Uh, no, no. She's like, whatever. You know, if it gets fixed, it gets fixed. Um, if not, you know, just go hang some more artwork and uh, shelving for me. So that's my beef, Brian. I, I feel I have a legitimate beef this week.
1: That is actually a very legitimate beef. I mean, obviously, it's not something that, you know, um, will affect your uh, lifespan on no. this planet. But <laughs> I can definitely I can definitely understand how you have... Um, uh, you've been harmed emotionally by uh, Wayfair. Um, and the worst part is that, you know, I mean, this is a this is a company that was, um, you know, uh, t- making deals with the Trump administration to um, provide low quality furniture in um, uh, migrant centers uh, along the border. I mean, the fact that you're expecting somehow better treatment than <laughs> a legal immigrant um, it, it perplexes me that this is uh, that this is where this is the level of ego you're bringing to the table.
0: <laughs> well, as always, you uh, I feel you discount my beefs quite often. I feel you 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 take it to a personal level and you discount more more so my feelings than my beef.
1: Well, I think right off the bat, I think most of your beefs have a um, have a stench of white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, your beefs basically, um, you know, they absolutely send a message of um, of wealthy uh, suburbanite. You know, uh, you know, I, I I don't hear a lot of your beefs. You know, uh, stemming from places you know that are are past annoyances. Like I think you live, you know, based on your beefs, I would say that you have a privileged life.
0: I think uh, I think where this comes from, I think it comes from a couple of places. Um, sure. I think, number one, it comes from this, this maybe hidden anger you have inside towards me, that I'm older uh, and don't have gray hair. I know we have talked about this in the show before, and that's an issue. And I think also now, in hearing you, I think it's also an issue that I'm older, and my blood work uh, is just stellar, just spot
1: on. Is your blood work stellar? It is, actually. Son of a bitch. But you, you're in Philly. You're eating the cheesesteaks. <laughs> hoog- you're eating the hoogie a couple times a week.
0: I mean, all those menu items that you were listing are pretty much standard, all of them, in any Philadelphia dish. Like shrimp, mayonnaise, cheese. Um, all those are in any, any restaurant item when you come to Philadelphia.
1: So then how is it that I have, I have bad cholesterol? You know, it's a, it might be genetic.
0: My jeans may be better than yours. You may have to accept that as well.
1: I wear Levi's 515s. Don't
0: come after <laughs> my jeans. Uh, you know bullshit. You know one thing we both do fantastically, Brian, and that's pick NFL games. Let's visit our locks of the week. Locks. Brian, uh, kudos uh, to you again, my friend. Uh, You picked the Thursday night game, Buffalo minus five and a half. They won by 14, 24 to 10. And uh, you hopped off the Jets train at just the right time. Minnesota were favored by three and a half. They ended up winning by five, 27 to 22. Um, Again, pushing you to a perfect 26 and 0 for the season. How do you do it, my friend?
1: Um, quite simple. Um, do you remember a simple, uh, uh, a simple mind? Uh, the band? No, the movie. Oh, the movie.
0: Uh, yes, they do actually. That was, uh, who was the guy? The guy from Gladiator.
1: Russell Crowe. Yes. Do you remember that scene when he's, you know, got every, like all these little threads attached to each other? Yeah, amongst, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, as um, uh, what's his uh, as uh, Jennifer Connelly walks in, and she's just like, "Oh no, what is happening to my husband?" The ability of Russell Crowe to just see multiple levels of of existence cross um, uh, uh, germinating with each other. That's the way my brain works when I look at. NFL games. It is. Um, it's not difficult, people. Okay. Um, in fact, I'm. I'm more confused that uh, more of you aren't also going two and o. One thing that allows me to continue doing this show week in week out, Ron, is um, that my partner in crime on this show, yourself, you also went two and o this week. Um, Chiefs minus three at the Bengals. You sat there and said. Listen, if you have a chance for a home team with a winning record, getting points, you take those points. Bengals winning 27-24. You also had the Browns minus six and a half at Houston. I do recall you saying, always bet against Houston. Um, Browns winning by 13. Ron, you also went 2-0. 26 and 0 for the year. How do you
0: do it? You know, mine, since we're using movie analogies, mine is more similar to um, uh, Zach Galifianakis and the hangover sitting down at the blackjack table and everything, Ooh. all the numbers and, uh, and, and algorithms are going through his mind. That's basically <clears throat> what it looks like in there.
1: Um, what do you got for this coming week?
0: Uh, so this week, um, we've we've got uh, an NFC East matchup that I'm loving. Philadelphia minus six and a half at the New York Giants take the Eagles minus the points. and then I like another road favorite. Uh, those Kansas City Chiefs, I feel come back next week minus seven and a half at Denver. Brian, who do you like?
1: I like the NFC South. Uh, matchup. Uh, this was a week. Of, this was rivalry week, week 14 of the season. Um, The Minnesota Vikings, minus three at the Lions. That to me is a no-brainer. Go with the Vikings. Also, I'm also liking the AFC West matchup, which I think just says everything. Baltimore Ravens, minus four and a half against the Steelers. Steelers have outplayed their talent. Take Baltimore, Lay the points.
0: All right. Let's keep things going in the sports world. Brian, I think it's time for you to give us a World Cup update.
1: Oh, Oh my goodness. Listen, Ron, we have eliminated um, uh, more than half the teams that showed up to Qatar this year for the 2022 World Cup. Earlier today, Poland going down against France. Also, Senegal the, the the dream team, if you would, underdogs um, uh, losing to England, uh, I, I will say this to you. It started off as a as a World Cup that was just filled with fanfare and warm wishes across the planet. But something has happened. These these 32 teams have been broken down to 16. Now it's down to 10. Yesterday, Argentina taking out Australia two to one, but the games that the, that the entire nation was enthralled by Netherlands against the USA. You yourself told me that you and the wife woke up at eight o'clock and started to make red, white, and blue mimosas. You also were wearing your American themed flannel pajamas. You sat there and drank your coffee and watched the Netherlands unfortunately beat the United States three to one. Um, you said your wife was inconsolable for most of the morning. She was. Uh, yes. And then she made you go to at home <laughs> target um, and home goods, home goods. Yes. Uh, what a, what a, what a lovely time to be a man this time of year. Um, Ron, I will say this: the level of sportsmanship for the world cup this year um, is just absolutely astounding. Big moments this year was The um, the the male team from Iran um, losing to America in a knockout game um, where in many cases their lives and um, standard of life was on the line Uh, fabulously um, uh, discussed throughout the media was the men's team's refusal to sing the Iranian national anthem, which was seen across the globe as a statement of support for the protesters that were um, uh, fighting for their lives and fighting for freedom back home in all throughout the country, um, having lost to the United States their, um, I want to say, most hated rival. Um, a lot of people are wondering, are the players safe? Are their families safe? Are they okay? We will never know because we can't trust anything news-wise coming out of Iran. Um, but I will say this, Ron, we still have at least another two weeks left to go, um, and I'm only getting... More interested, Ron. Please tell me about your World Cup experience. You know, I uh, this one story that
0: stuck out for me. Brian was a, a porn star uh, being told that she risks execution due to her outfit outfit she's wearing there at the World Cup. Uh, this is OnlyFans uh, star astrid wet uh she is a backer of chelsea and england uh she has been warned to cover up after posting skimpy photos of herself uh at world cup games in qatar uh she uh you know i don't know i'm actually kind of surprised she was able to get into the stadium with that outfit knowing how security has been really checking outfits um trying to keep people out if they thought anything was too risque or too controversial
1: well, the thing is this, obviously, um, she's not wearing any kind of rainbow themed um, clothing. So she would slip right by security. Looks like she's wearing a buttoned up shirt with a bra underneath and just undid the the, the shirt. Um, why she would do this? I mean, I know she's doing this for clout, but you're in Qatar. They literally will um, cane you right there in the stands um, to death. Uh, not worth it. Not worth the clout.
0: Yes, uh, but England uh, right now looking like an odds-on favorite. Uh, they beat up on Wales 3-0 to win their World Cup group. Um, looking like they're uh, they're the team to beat
1: at the moment. Well, you still have England. You've got Argentina, France, um, Brazil. These are the teams I think you're going to see in the Final Four. Uh, it's only going to get more thrilling as the level of play increases also, one thing that I I, I can say that I you know I've never seen before, um, it seems as if some of these players are flopping to the ground um, when there is some type of perception of contact with a player on the other team, um, whereas in American football, when players are bump into each other, there's usually a um, you know a, 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 an acknowledgement of the uh, of the contact, and then they peacefully walk away in in this sport, apparently. Um, And I think this is maybe this is something that the um, that FIFA put into place in Qatar was when they said, if you happen to bump into, um, is it FIFA? It's FIFA. Yeah. I call it FIFA. You know, (laughs) we FIFA and I go way back. Um, They said, if you bump into another player, you must immediately fall down and um, uh, uh, look anguished for at least the next 18 minutes. Makes sense. It's good Um, for the sport, Ron. It's good for the sport.
0: It is. You know, Brian, I really couldn't pay too much attention to World Cup this week. I was busy catching up on some documentaries. Uh, The first one being the new Casey Anthony documentary on the Peacock Channel uh,
1: called the, uh, what the hell is it? Where the Truth Lies. It's called Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies. Speaking of lies, earlier somebody said to me, hey, you've got to watch Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies. And I would like to get an understanding of why you would say that. To
0: me. I, you know, I was interested to see if there was any new information that was going to come out in this documentary that might change one's perception of Casey
1: Anthony. Okay. Um, uh, if I can take the lead, because I only watched one episode, so I will talk about the first one. All right. And then can you talk, talk about the next two? I certainly can. All right. So it, it, for those that uh, uh, may not remember, Casey Anthony was a Floridian young mother um, in the Orlando area whose mother calls the police at, uh, to report a missing person. Her granddaughter, um, who has been missing for over 30 days, um, the, uh, uh, Casey Anthony is in the same room with uh, her mother, who's calling the police, um, and has, uh, uh, lets the police know that, um, the girl, she has not seen her daughter in over a month. And that her, the last time she saw her month was when she dropped her uh, daughter off at a nanny's house. And she's been trying to see her daughter since, but never thought to call the police. Right. Then when the police ask her, um, well, can you bring us to the nanny's house where you dropped her off? Um, Nobody's living in there. It's been an empty apartment for more than a month. Um, uh, Then they ask her, well, can you tell us about, you know, like uh, the last couple of days before she went missing? Casey Anthony says, well, you know, I work at uh, Universal Studios and like, OK, well, show us where you work. And um, she takes him there and leads him on this big uh, 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 walkthrough as she's walking the the grounds, waving to people um, to say hello. I guess these are her co-workers until she uh, leads them to a uh, dead end hallway where um, she uh, continues to walk as if she knows where she's going, walks into the dead end hallway stops when she realizes she can't get anymore. And then admits to the police officers that she never worked at um, that. She doesn't actually currently work at universal studios. Um, Her story that she told the police filled with lies. Um, and then throughout the rest of it, um, she is interviewed uh, uh, by the producers of this uh, of this show, um, where she basically seems to say that she grew up in a house where you're supposed to lie to everybody to make it look like everything's OK, even when it's not. And by the way, my father abused me.
0: I think that's a pretty good synopsis of <coughs> the
1: first episode. Episode one. Ron, in, uh, what's your take on episodes one through three? Um so I mean there's there's not a
0: lot more that's really um unearthed over the next couple of episodes i mean the the question is asked you know why she didn't call the police for 31 days and you know she said that you know because she was dealing with an abusive father that her father kept telling her that he had kaylee and he knew where she was um and that she needed to kind of follow his direction um and and that's why she never got the the police involved
1: her father is ex police. Uh, uh, Correct. And, and yes. And then, so he's a former police officer. Yes. So her story becomes that the father took the daughter, took her daughter from the nanny, and was no the the,
0: the the so the the daughter never went to the nanny. Like the nanny did not exist. Oh.
1: So she then acknowledges that there was never a nanny. Correct. It?
0: There oh, was at I- one point, but not not at the time that her daughter disappeared.
1: Oh, my God. Hold on. So her story is that her father took her daughter and was hiding her from her. It, you know, there's a, there's a lot of it, she never really
0: it, it gets very convoluted. Um, but she but the 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 narrative that is put out there is that, um, is that uh, George Anthony, her her father, is the one who was responsible for uh, the death of Kaylee. And it's, you know, she doesn't, she says she doesn't quite know why her daughter died. She doesn't know if it was an accident. If, you know, she, she intimates that perhaps her father was abusing Kaylee as well. Um, she also has accused her brother of abusing herself as well. So she basically said her dad abused her from 8 to 12 and that her brother then abused her from 12 to 15. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think after watching three episodes... You know again i i think the the narrative was very favorable to casey anthony um sure and you know unfortunately you you get that with documentaries they have they they kind of take one side or another um i think the the main takeaway i had from this documentary is you can certainly understand how she ended up getting acquitted And it is a result of poor police work and just poor effort on the prosecution because they do do, they do a very good job of, you know, putting the narrative out there that it could have been her father that killed Kaylee because a lot of the evidence at the end of the day just points to somebody in the Anthony household where her mother, her father and herself lived. And, you know, you come to find that the police never really did much to exclude George as a suspect, that they focused on Casey so much and probably rightfully so. Right. Um, but they, they never really, you know, they never really did enough to where they could prove, you know, they they, they, they they didn't have that smoking gun. And again, if it was something where if Casey lived alone, that would probably be a different case. But when you have, you know, multiple different people and the defense attorney, you know, brings, you know, her father abusing her into it and, and also kind of push the theory a little bit that George may have been involved. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, again, it, it didn't do enough to... To For me to say, I don't think I don't you know, I don't think Casey Anthony's innocent, but it did make me realize, like, all right, there was such a poor job police wise done, Mm -hmm. such a poor job done in the prosecution, because, you know, and, and you can you can. I think the reason it took so long for this documentary to come out is I think it really has taken Casey that long to kind of put together, you know her story so that it holds up more in the court of public opinion. You know, she's asking questions about, you know, well, was her father's whereabout tracked on such and such a date? No, prosecution never looked at his cell phone records. Police never looked at his cell phone records. Um, so, Can yeah, they look now? Not at this point. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's what, 14 years ago. I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't even know if they would at this point. I mean, what's interesting is, is she was acquitted, um, but, you know, police have really done nothing, um, to, to, to look into this case any further. Um, you know, one thing I remember, <clears throat> I remember hearing a comment from a prosecuting attorney and I forget what, what documentary and what case it mm-hmm. was about, but, you know, their the way they approached a case was, you know, if you've got a person of interest or you've got a suspect that you're taking a trial, your number one job should be to try and prove first that that person didn't do it because that's exactly what your defense team is going to do and i don't think and i don't think the state of florida did a good enough job of that and i I think again i think that's why casey anthony ended up getting acquitted because there just wasn't enough well and it's florida (laughs) it's florida florida
1: Florida. so like i mean you have to assume the entire state is a shit show
0: yeah and it was just, yeah, at the end of the day, it was just very, very frustrating because I don't think you necessarily learned a lot of new information. And at the end of the day, you you still don't have a true answer. Listen, I think it's very possible that George Anthony could have been involved in her death. Um, you know, I don't think, I, I, I'm not 100% certain that that Kaylee was murdered, but I definitely think it, even if it was an accidental death, I think there was a lot that was done to try and cover it up. So it's... it. It you end up with more questions than answers.
1: Did she do any time or no? Uh I know she she was was guilty I know she was found guilty of lying to police officers.
0: Correct. I mean, she had been by the time that uh, the court case came around. She had been in jail for almost three years. So basically, the time she basically got time served um, for lying to authorities and you know hindering a police investigation. Uh, I think she only did a couple more months after the verdict because of the amount of time she had already been in jail.
1: Do you think that the time, the three months that she was in jail, do you think that was anything like Orange is the New Black?
0: (laughs) I don't know. But you do see her, uh, you know, sitting in her car outside the Orange County jail uh, talking about what a horrible time it was. Like so many of these scenes are, are shot to elicit sympathy about Casey Anthony.
1: Um, and listen, I, I well, of I, course the, the whole show is, about, is, is, right. is supposed to solicit. it. I mean, how much, how much airtime does Nancy Grace get in the, um, cause she basically went, uh, uh, 24 seven Casey Anthony for those years. I mean, that was all she wanted. I mean, like yeah. you could have a pretty blonde girl go missing in Bermuda and, and, and Nancy Grace was just talking Casey Anthony. She didn't even care. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, there were some clips of of, of Nancy Grace and some of the other uh, media coverage at the time. But again, I I think people want to deal in absolutes. And I think it's very possible that George Anthony can be a a horrible piece of crap and still not have murdered his granddaughter. Like, that's not, you know, that's not exclusive.
1: Um, Ron, do you think you would survive well in jail? (laughs) I don't know
0: that I would. Uh, I mean again if i if i'm if i'm so broken up over a dented dresser um i'm not quite sure if i'm cut out for prison life
1: see that's where i disagree i think you would kick ass in jail i just visualize you being like you know like the go to guy for like life advice from the other <laughs> prisoners um and i could see um like i'm the guy uh,
0: sitting I, out in the yard and people are like you know i got a letter from my wife she's going to leave me what do you say ron and then and I then just I, I just spin yeah. some parable that just makes everything seem all right.
1: I could you know, I could see you giving um, investment advice to the uh, <laughs> guards, you know, when they walk by. They're just like, Ron, my, my 401k is really taking a beating, you know, this last quarter. You can be like, ah, come on over here. Let me, let me take a look at those <laughs> options here. What you want to look if is-
0: Let's look if you've divested yourself enough. Yeah.
1: See, you got all your money in U.S. Treasury bonds. You're not going to get a great return on that. <laughs> you know, I could see you doing that. Um, I could see you complaining if your um, ramen noodle pack comes slightly banged up by the time it gets, you know, um, you know, the the latest, uh, you know, uh, incoming prisoner is brought it. I could see you just sitting there being like the the, the, the noodles are a little smashed in the corner here. <laughs> um are you, are you going to get me another one? And then just looking at him like, no violence, no, no violence. But it is just it, it. It's all done out of respect for you.
0: Yes. Um, I also uh, watched, and I know you had watched it as well, uh, the documentary on Jerry Falwell Jr. on Hulu, God Ooh, Forbid, um, God detailing, forbid. <laughs> detailing the, uh, the relationship that he and his wife had uh, with a pool attendant from the Miami Fountain Blue Hotel and uh, the scandal that eventually caused Falwell to resign from Liberty University. It was about an hour and a half movie, roughly. I think it was a
1: little bit over an hour and a half so, on Hulu, on Hulu. Yes. Not to say that we're sponsored by Hulu. We're no, not. not at all, not. not at all. We would um, be if they wanted to. It was, uh,
0: you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily want to want to beat this story to death, but it is not you mean shocking. You you don't want to
1: give it a 20 minute treatment like we just did
0: Casey <laughs> Anthony? It was not shocking to uh, see a story that reflects the hypocrisy of evangelical uh, Christians.
1: Anything that you and I can do to um, help expose the um, uh, the evangelical Christian movement, which um, decides to um, uh, point fingers at other people for living lives that are below their moral standards, while at the same time failing to live their own life by their own standards that they are pushing upon and others. I think you and I have always wanted to shine a light in that direction. Um, but to sit there and look at the um, uh, at Jerry Falwell Jr., especially, and I thought was interesting here, was that they do put his existence in light of Jerry Falwell, his father, who really took a very small church in mid in mid Alabama, I believe it was, and basically um, became the leader of um, of an entire religious movement in America in the '60s and '70s through the 80s pretty much if you were a Republican um politician you had to kiss Jerry Falwell's ring right. um, to get his nomination um it, uh, it 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 touched upon Ronald Reagan but I was waiting for uh William uh William Esquire to bring up that but it was just how this movement how the event I, I I how the evangelicals really in their quest this dominant for um uh, uh for power and their drive for power literally just bounced around different topics until they got one which was abortion that was able to um, drive in um, all this interest in them support for them and monetary contributions to them. Um, how you said that the uh, um, they did say that uh, the Liberty University which was the nonprofit university accredited institution, that was run by the evangelical. What is the name of the church? I, I don't even remember. I forget um, the the name of it. Bristol yeah, I don't Rose, remember. It was, something or other. Whatever it was, um, they were pulling in a hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, um, uh, none of which was taxable because of they're a religious not. organization. But they literally were contributing so much to political organizations that they may have been, that the, the, the this lunacy of um, that they are a, not, a should should that they should continue to be a tax a non-taxable organization um, while they were um, uh, embedded so deeply into politics um, and how literally their only real drive over the past 40 years has been to overturn Roe v. Wade, how Jerry Falwell Jr. They It starts to get a little wacky towards the end when um, a little bit. they, they t- suddenly tie um, his actions with the rise of Donald Trump, um, start to lay the blame on his um, – uh, Feat for the social unrest, the Black Lives Matter, um, the uh, uh, the driving of the of uh, of the uh, Supreme Court to the far right, and basically saying, you know, they, they start to imply that had Falwell Jr. not endorsed Trump so early in the twenty sixteen primary season, that we would be living in a very different America right now, and I am not sure that that's true. No, I would agree with that. So. I do think, I do think, and I know you don't want to beat this in, but it, it, I just really do hate the fucking um, hardcore religious people. I do think that you know the idea. That these evangelical Christians who are just so fanatically family oriented and God fearing and loving and whatnot, that of all the different politicians that were running for president in 2016, the one that they all got behind was the one who had been married three times and right. had five children out of like just the, the, the divorce twice of his like just the, the the least moral of all of these people was the one that they all sat there and said, this is my guy.
0: Well, it reflected back to, you know, they were talking about, you know, Reagan's candidacy in 80, how they were more than willing to get behind a divorced and remarried individual who, when he was governor of California, signed one of the most liberal abortion bills into Mm -hmm. law in the the country. Um, You know, it's a matter of that that is a segment that is only concerned with power and money. We saw it. In, in Georgia, where 88% of evangelical Christians chose to vote for Herschel Walker, a man who is admitted to extramarital affairs, a man who Georgia. may have paid for multiple abortions over Georgia. a literal pastor in the church.
1: Yeah. It, 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 what scares the living shit out of me is that um, you've got people who are not critically thinking um, Uh, About their vote that it it literally is just sitting there, you know, who am I supposed to vote for? Because I'm Christian. Ah, that dude. Okay. He's my guy, right? Uh, One guy who couldn't get uh, enough people to vote for him, uh,
0: Dr. Oz, uh, Mm -hmm. losing his Senate race in Pennsylvania. I didn't realize this. He spent nearly $27 million of his own money uh, before losing the state by a bigger margin than Donald Trump did in 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. Now he is apparently trying to get back on New York, uh, to get back on TV, excuse me, uh, and uh, apparently no one is really interested in having him back.
1: That's quite surprising because he was very, um, I'm just shocked because one would have thought that he would have uh, uh, been embraced by the Hollywood elite. (laughs) Apparently,
0: uh, being as divisive as he was uh, during his campaign did not help him. Uh, His former producers uh, reportedly will not talk to him. And uh, Mm -hmm. another outlet
1: characterized him as, quote, too toxic for TV. Um, How awesome is this? Not only that, the one thing is that he spent $27 of his own dollars for his political campaign.
0: That's that's fantastic. I mean, again, he's probably got a lot more in the bank. I'm sure he's not hurting. But the fact that you would drop that much of your own cash and then lose to, I mean, to be honest, one of the weaker candidates that was running um, across the entire country.
1: Um, Well, I mean... So you're saying you voted for him?
0: I did not. I mean,
1: you didn't vote I, for Doctor Oz. You told I, me that you were. You listen. You'll do anything Oprah Winfrey tells you to do. <laughs> well, Oprah supported uh, John Fetterman. Only, only in the last week of the campaign. Before <laughs> that, her silence basically was saying Doctor Oz is my guy.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what other stories do we have this week, Brian? Um, oh, uh, according to Miriam Webster, the word of the year this year, Brian, gaslighting, gaslighting. And what is gaslighting, Brian? You're asking me what gaslighting is? <laughs> I am. Yes.
1: My understanding, and I don't want to, um, uh, what do you call it? I don't. I could be wrong on this, so so let me know if I'm wrong, but my understanding of gaslighting is that it's the psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality, or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence and self-esteem, uncertainty of one's emotion and mental stability, and a dependency on the perpetrator.
0: Uh, Brian, I'm going to say that's 100% incorrect and I can't uh, believe you would be as foolish as to No, am with me. Uh other words that were in the running, uh cancel culture, oligarch, and queen consort. Queen consort.
1: Yeah, I, I will say this. I didn't know um what the uh what queen consort was until this year. Um uh, people also and and again, I think this
0: uh this speaks to the education system in the United States. Um, The word codify was searched often when Roe v. Wade was uh, was struck down. And then after uh, President Trump's uh, mar a lago state was swarmed, swarmed by FBI agents in August, people looked up raid
1: like they needed to understand what a raid was. No, Ron, they were looking up raid the um, roach exterminating spray. Um, (laughs) There was a massive outbreak of roaches in Florida, around the same time. All right. Uh, the last
0: word to make the top 10 was "loamy," a word that tricked many Wordle players hey, Ron, back in August. Hey, Hey, oh, come on.
1: What now. is the word?
0: L- Lomi, L-O-A-M-Y. L-O-A-M-Y.
1: Oh, see, I would have pronounced that loam. with loam. A, um, with, a, with, with like a, a silent E. L-O-A-M-Y? Yes denoting or relating to a fertile soil of clay Jesus Christ what, I, this is a word apparently so speaking of words um you know I'd like to uh, also just point out that in a, in a in our group chat you know your uh, your wordles your wordle claims are getting far and far outlandish I believe you claimed a two out of six today
0: Today, well, you know, I have a, uh, I have a standard starting word, and uh, today was one of those days that that starting word worked out well for me, and it made it very easy to guess the word on the second try.
1: Is it true your starting word is loamy?
0: <laughs> it is not, no. No.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting.
0: Um, We've got a QAnon leader who accidentally outed himself as a statutory rapist in a lawsuit against a local paper love this story, please. Fantastic. Uh, Phil Godlewski, he is a Pennsylvania-based QAnon leader. Uh, He sued a local newspaper in 2021 for defamation after the Scranton uh, Times-Tribune mentioned a 2010 indictment against Godlewski for corruption of a minor. Um, Unfortunately, his his defamation lawsuit has inadvertently exposed the full extent of his disturbing history of grooming and raping a teenage girl who's called BD in court records uh, over a period of time. Most recently, text messages show he pressured a now adult BD to lie about the situation in court. Um, According to police records, um and an affidavit filed this month by BD as part of the ongoing defamation suit Galuski met BD in 2008 when she was 15 and he was a 25-year-old baseball coach at her high school uh she comforted uh she he comforted the teen when her boyfriend at the time died by suicide and they began having sex uh shortly after uh when she was still 15 Um, BD's parents claim that he frequently gave her expensive gifts, including $2,800 diamond earrings, and essentially texted her 24-7. He once texted her that the two of them would only ever be sexually satisfied if they did it four to five times a day.
1: That's awful. Yes. Fucking hell. And and he's suing to what? uh, Have these expunged? No, he's he's suing because he's suing for defamation of character
0: because the newspaper reported on this indictment. But all that has done is during this discovery process is now exposed
1: um, all of the paper, all the legal claims against him. Right. Exactly. Oh, now I understand the story. This guy's a fucking fool.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. And then apparently, as recently of May of this year, Godlewski contacted BD and offered her, quote, a very, very large and very, very unique financial opportunity, um, apparently in reference to suing the paper.
1: Good uh, question, Ron. I'm not asking you to put yourself in the mind of a uh, recovering pedophile. Well, thank you. Other than um, a financial uh, uh, contribution to a bank account, what would make this offer unique? <laughs> I'm not quite
0: sure. Uh, unique in the fact that she would probably have to lie and cover up uh, in order to get that money.
1: Isn't that what most of, the, um, uh, w- w- what most of these financial offers are for, is that you're, they are in an effort buying somebody's silence? Uh, you would think. Oh, my God. Some people are just fucking stupid. Like, first of all, why would you reach out to somebody in a way that can be tracked? Like at this point, what American uh, is not aware that your text messages can be monitored, that your Facebook messages can be monitored? Even your your discord, your Reddit messages, your emails, your I'm just going to keep, you, keep messages, letting you go. your WhatsApp. Believe, come on. What else do you have? Your, right? your Telegram um
0: all right moving on france's highest court has ruled that a man fired by a consulting firm for failing to go out with drinks with his colleagues was wrongfully dismissed Uh, The man man referred to as Mr. T in court documents was fired by Paris based Cubic Partners in 2015 because he refused to take part in team building activities and weekend social events, which Mm -hmm. is which his lawyers argued included excessive alcoholism and promiscuity. Brian, you're an HR uh, god, in my opinion. Um, What's your take on this?
1: I have a take, but I mean, I think it absolutely I think that you uh, I can't speak to French uh, labor laws, but I can say that it is absolutely um, incorrect for an employer to focus on outside um, behavior outside of a workplace as um, uh, qualifications for continued employment. Uh, it's, you know, you know, obviously you, you want to work with people that you can get along with and whatnot, but, uh, required mandatory attendance for an office happy hour. Um, uh, I I just, I, it's, it's important to me. Right. Um, You don't I mean, he could have had a reason not to want to go. Right. Exactly. coworkers could be assholes.
0: Right. Well, and Mr. T, I can't can't say that with a straight face, but Mr. T claimed that the the fun culture in the company involved, quote, humiliating and intrusive practices, including crude nicknames and sharing his bed with another employee during work functions. That seems um, inappropriate
1: hold on sharing his bed during the work function I guess they would
0: they had these weekend trips that they would go on and uh, I guess they would have to share a bed in
1: whatever location they were who's he sharing the bed with I, mean, I if have no does, idea isn't that I mean I feel like that's part of the conversation <laughs> I mean like uh, if I had to share a bed with you I wouldn't be suing uh well that's I just would to be give it. I would be small spooning up to your chest in a <laughs> so the court ordered
0: cubic partners to pay Mr. T about twenty five hundred pounds in damages and said that it would look into his demand for a further four hundred thousand pounds at a later date.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, it, it. what I would say is that it sounds like bullshit reasons to fire him. But I also feel like if they really wanted to, they could have found some other reason. Yeah, I would think so.
0: Um, going down to Florida, University of Florida quarterback Jalen Kitna has been arrested on child pornography charges.
1: Uh, the son Listen, of former Ron, NFL Listen, Ron, if yes. I can cut you off, I, we spoke about this story before. I'm going to say there's nothing, there's just something wrong with with these types of laws. Here you have an 18-year-old American male in the state of Florida. He's got a 17-year-old girlfriend. And what you're telling me is that because she's going to send him some photos, that he now is in possession of child pornography the laws of this country. Uh, I, archip- I don't believe
0: that was that that wasn't the situation. Uh, apparently, what, um, what? he uh, he shared a photo of child sexual abuse. Excuse me, uh, a photo of child sexual abuse. He shared that on. Discord. I'm
1: sure he had a great reason. I'm sure that this was something where he had been deceived. And so, uh, what was his defense? I mean, he must have. Had <laughs> so he admitted to sharing the photos, but thought that it was legal
0: because he had found the photos online. Oh motherfucker. A subsequent search of oh, his devices found three more child sex abuse images.
1: Oh my god. You're telling me that his his defense in the in, in in court was, well, I found it on the internet, so therefore the girl had to be 18?
0: Uh, well that it was legal because he found it on the internet.
1: Oh god. My head's gonna explode. So. And this is this is who is gonna be a quarterback. You know they. You know how they, the announcers yeah. always say that to be a quarterback, you you have to have a great vision, and you got to see the whole field, and you got to see the plays before they happen. And this guy's just like it was on the internet, so it had to be okay.
0: Had to be, had to be, one hundred percent fine. Um, so Kitna, uh, son of former NFL quarterback John Kitna, is now facing three counts of possession of child pornography and two counts of distribution of child exploitation material, and has since been suspended from the Florida football team.
1: Yeah, I would say he's fucked.
0: <laughs> I think you, uh, I think you are correct in that. Um, yeah, in- he's fucked in other crime news going to uh oklahoma uh josh armstrong was drinking with relatives in tulsa last weekend uh and when he was playing a game of monopoly started to fight with his stepdad over the game um Took a, started to fight, knocking over furniture, took the brawl outside, and after getting cut on the head, uh, Armstrong pulled out a gun, chasing his stepdad and stepsister uh, down the street, uh, firing once into the ground.
1: Oh, that's not good.
0: <laughs> but you can get it, right? Like, if you're having a few drinks, and you're sure. playing what's supposed to be a friendly game of Monopoly, and then mm-hmm. you land on Park Place... With two hotels and three houses,
1: someone needs to get shot, Brian. Okay, now are you what? In what order are you shooting the people at table? You just haphazardly? Like, are taking? You popping caps? I think you got. I think you
0: got. Whoever, whatever player is the banker, I think you shoot them first. Ooh. And then whoever owns the uh, the property, well, I think you give the option. I think you give the option of uh, leasing you the property you just land on,
1: or you shoot them. Now, I have a question. If somebody pulls out a gun during Monopoly and you say, listen, listen, I'm not paying your rent this time around. You better let me go. Like, do you think that you can just put the gun away and you can go back to the game? Or is that the kind of behavior that just ruins the game of Monopoly?
0: I think I think, you know, I think at that point you got to kind of box it up and, and call it a night.
1: I just feel like at this point, you know, um, Like, are there are there going to be 12 jurors that that the that the, you know, prosecutor, the jury, the defense that they can all agree upon? I imagine it's going to be very difficult to find someone who is not going to be able to sit there and say, listen, I've never shot a family member, but I have paid monopoly. And I'm going to say I've also wanted to shoot someone.
0: Well, I think you know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. He is uh, still in jail though, uh, because he has not been able to post uh, twenty five thousand dollars bond. Uh, Billy, bringing up a good point, rates are too high on monopoly because Reagan deregulated everything. Certainly, he deregulated the railroads. So that's why they cost so much. If you get off. What about of them. the, utilities? the oh, utilities? Don't get me started weird. on the utilities and the jewelry tax. I mean that. Uh, clearly uh, meant to hurt the lower cat. Lower. Class. I can't even find a monocle anymore. <laughs> um, going back to Florida, Brian. A woman is suing Kraft for five million dollars, saying that Velveeta microwave mac and cheese takes longer to make than advertised. This is a lawsuit because why? So Amanda Ramirez, um, she's filed a class action lawsuit because a label on a cup of Velveeta's microwavable mac and cheese says the meal only takes three and a half minutes to prepare. But oh no, my friend. It microwaves for three and a half minutes, but she argues that this number does not account for the other four steps required to prepare the pasta, removing the lid and sauce pouch, adding water, microwaving, and stirring. The additional steps means it's impossible for the mac and cheese to be ready in just three and a half minutes.
1: What state is she from? Florida. Florida. Ah, how did we not? How did I not just like make that obvious? Florida. Can you imagine going to court because your food takes more than three and a half minutes to prepare? That's how you know the state, that state is fucked. (laughs) Have you ever had? Here's a question. Have you ever had Velveeta mac and cheese? No.
0: I can't imagine. I can't imagine, like, a uh, mac and cheese made with Velveeta, like, from the brick would be tasty. How bad must the microwavable version of that be?
1: I would imagine. See, this is the thing. This is where it – I'm just going to say this. I don't know – when it comes to macaroni and cheese, I do believe that there is a preference, uh, a personal preference – Some people like their macaroni and cheese on the drier side where they like it to be kind of like a, you know, a brick that you can then just spoon off pieces. Some people like it where each individual piece of pasta is slathered in a sauce. I don't like that kind of shit. I like it when the macaroni and cheese has form and it's held to each other. Um, Properly seasoned, though, people. I do like my macaroni and cheese to be seasoned. Got to get the seasoning. I'm not just you know, um, but uh, just you, you know what I had recently that I thought was um, interesting. I had um, macaroni and cheese, but they use ziti. Hmm, interesting.
0: I'm usually not a fan of the larger uh, pasta when you make that.
1: I couldn't tell whether it was the, it, but I, I'm just so of the mind that macaroni and cheese has to be elbows. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's not elbows. It's just it's bullshit. Um, it's pasta in a in a in a cheddar cheese
0: sauce uh before we head on out of here a couple of celebrity obituaries this week uh earlier this week uh the songbird legend Fleetwood Mac singer Christine McVie passing away at the age of 79. um she died at a hospital Wednesday morning following a short illness Brian um you are one of the bigger Fleetwood Mac fans that I know of
1: um how are you holding up after this news Listen, I'm just glad that it wasn't Lindsey Buckingham. I am glad that it wasn't uh, Stevie Nicks. I'm glad that it wasn't Mick Fleetwood. I'm glad that it's not the bass player. Well, John, wasn't that- Entwistle. Wasn't he John Entwistle? What's he name, John Entwistle? John Entwistle was in The Who. I know, I know. Um, who was the bass player in Fleetwood Mac? I love the fact nobody knows his name. Uh, wasn't that the McVee that she got married
0: to was the bass player because she she wasn't McVee until until she was married. She was McVeigh, mother of Timothy. <laughs> I don't think so. I forgot no. to pull a picture. I forgot to put her picture up while we were talking about it. No.
1: You can't go your own way. Go all your way. Uh, so apparently she now, was. That uh, photo, if that photo does not scream mid nineteen eighties, oh yeah, the large hoop earring, the over, um, uh, the over chemical hair, um, the oddly shaped nose job. I'm going to say. Also, where is this woman's upper lip? So uh, yeah, she married Fleetwood Mac bassist John McVie uh, back in
0: 1969.
1: But what was her her maiden name? I mean, obviously, Billy thinks that it was perfect, but what was her maiden name? You know, I'm not quite sure. So she was with Fleetwood Mac
0: for 28 years, departing the group in 1998, uh, the same year uh, the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, however, returned to the group in 2014. Uh, apparently, they were preparing to be playing some select dates this upcoming year. Uh, no word as to if that will continue or not.
1: I'm going to say it absolutely will continue. If there's I money believe, to be made, yes. I think that when you reach that level of rock um, uh, hierarchy, you the show must go on.
0: Yes. Um, this was very sad, this uh, this coming out right before we went on the air here tonight. Uh, one of the original Sesame Street cast members, Bob McGrath, passing away at the age of 90. Uh, he was one of the first four cast members uh, hired to launch the iconic show back in 1969. Uh, he played a character named Bob, was on the show for 460 mm-hmm. episodes until 2017
1: what do you think is yellower his um, skin from jaundice or his teeth from cigarettes in this photo mind you I mean he looks more yellow than whomever that yellow character is by the way how many there's five characters uh, Sesame Street characters how many of the five can you name
0: uh, I can name I think two of them I can name I can name
1: uh, I can Ron name that tune.
0: Well, actually, I can name. So uh, we've got the blue one is Grover, obviously. Yes. The red one is Elmo, Elmo. and I think the uh, the one in the lower left. I want to say that's Abby. Abby, I think There's I'm no not one hundred percent sure. Abby on Sesame Street. I are you have. When was the last Was your time last you name, name normal? <laughs> it was
1: not. No. Shit, you're right. That is Abby. I told Which you a- I- Wow, Ron. Um, I- Who's the pedophile now? <laughs>
0: Uh, so that's a, that's a sad one. I I remember watching uh, watching Bob on Sesame Street when I was a kid. So that one... I
1: grew up I grew up watching him. I don't know why, but my mom made sure I always watched Sesame Street. I think well, it, it was, was the, educational, it was, Brian. It was educational. I think you know it's um they don't make shows like that now. Now they're no. making uh you know apps on your phones. So you can sit there and connect two little blue dots together so they can explode and some little, you know, uh, endorphin rush can go through your uh, prepubescent head as, uh, you know, uh, ding, ding, dings go off on the subway while old man sitting next to you is just trying to read his book, mind his own fucking business. But no, your phone's got to be set to 10 while your kid's trying to fucking play his game.
0: All right, let's sneak one more story in before we get out of here. Uh, Horatio Sands has settled a lawsuit that accused him of sexually assaulting an underage superfan at a Saturday Night Live after party, while cast members, including Will Ferrell and Tina Fey, allegedly looked on. Um, Sands' accuser, who brought the case anonymously back in 2021 as a Jane Doe, has settled her claims against the comedian and NBC Universal for undisclosed terms. Um, the woman said that she initially met Sands when she was 15 running an snl fan site and he was 31 and he allegedly began grooming her for an inappropriate relationship including cybersex, inappropriate touching and sexual assault uh, she said Sands eventually groped her in a drug-fueled after party on may 11th and 12th, 2002.
1: You know, I've been uh, following the writings of uh, uh, producer Seth Simons—not producer, journalist Seth Simons—who writes, uh, who sends a, uh, a newsletter on the. I believe it's called Humorist is okay. the website. I believe it's humorism. Excuse me, humorism is his website. He's been um, uh, doggedly following this story, um, and basically, his his big beef. Um, or at least the, the, the spotlight he is shining here is how, um, you know, Horatio Sands is a scumbag. A 31-year-old should not be sitting there sexually assaulting a 15-year-old, um, especially not after luring her in with his Hollywood status. Um, the true story that Seth Simons' his point keeps pointing to, and now that the court case has been um, uh, settled, um, will never be heard, is um is is what responsibility does NBC have that one of its employees is bringing an underage girl to a um a a a.m. party on a Saturday night right. while he can um uh basically ha- uh hand her um drinks um and basically uh, sexually assault her um in plain sight of um uh, of, of comedy superstars like Tina Fey, Will Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon. Um, these are all people that this young girl at the time said um, she was literally um, a locked eye to eye contact with while Horatio Sands was um, running his body um, on her and in her. Um, and, they, and none of these people stepped in to say um, that they had an issue with what was going on. Uh And, uh, you know, uh, that's we're never going to have that conversation anymore.
0: No. Well, I mean, clearly both felt that it would be better to settle than to take it to court. So um, we will never get that answer. Once again, Um,
1: Ron, money will buy anything in this world. That's
0: true. Money will also buy you access to Ron and Brian After Dark starting in just 21 minutes. If you are not a Patreon subscriber yet, please head on over to ronandbrianpodcast.com Click in the upper right-hand corner. If you join at the bronze level or higher, that's just $10 a month, you get access to our live after show. Uh, Not as exciting as the SNL after shows, obviously, uh, but it's a some interesting stories, some of the saucier stories that we don't necessarily get to do on the uh, on the free podcast. So again, starting up in about 20 minutes. If you join now, we'll get you the link in time to join us this evening. Brian, are you excited for another episode of After Dark?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's um it's 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 an area where you and I can talk in a way where um, you know we can be a little bit more freer in terms of our stories. Ron, you've already drank all of your eight point four ABV beer. You're you're feeling a little looser, a little um, but it's also you know almost as important. Um, it's a place um, you know where not just uh, you know where you're getting exclusive um, audio and video content, but it's really a way for our listeners to say thanks back. Um, you know we've you know it's you know we've been this is episode two hundred and thirty five. That means we've been going for over four and a half years of free weekly content. This show will always be free. Um one of the ways um, you know that that uh, uh, people can help us or say thank you back. This is the season for um for spreading Christmas cheer, holiday cheer, monetary cheer. And how do you do that? You go to the link below. Podcast.com, click the link in the upper right hand corner that will take you to patreon.com our page on patreon sign up for one of the levels as a member at a certain level for a certain period of time you will receive different levels of swag is it a tote bag, is it a sweatshirt is it a hat, a shot glass a sticker, a refrigerator magnet, you determine what your swag will be by You know, by paying as little as $5 a month, um, it's just a way to say, hey, guys, thank you for being so amazing. All right.
0: As we say, thank you for joining us Uh, for our Patreon folks. We look forward to seeing you in a little bit. Brian, anything else for us to cover before we get out of here? I love you. Love you, too, my friend. Thank you all for joining us. We'll catch you next week. For joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else, Ron and Brian, at Ron and Brian See you again next week.